So good morning, church. Um, I see a lot of faces that i uh, used to seeing growing up, and I also see some faces that I don't know. Um, so my name is Cody. Uh, my parents uh, go here. Um, I grew up in this church uh, since I was seven years old. And um, just, it's great to be back. So I go to Southeastern Seminary, which is in Wake Forest, North Carolina. It is on the same campus that was Wake Forest College before it moved to Winston-Salem. Um, so it's really funny. Um, we'll have the, uh, maybe a, an elderly couple come up, and they'll, they'll be decked out in black, and it's Saturday about 11.50, and they'll walk up and say, where's the stadium at? What stadium? Well, for the football game. I said, well, you're about 120 miles east of where you need to be. So um, Southeastern is on that campus, and it's a seminary. has a college, and that's where I'm attending. Um, some, some of the members here, John and Amanda, um, they also go, uh, and, and Holly also go to, to Southeastern. Um, and my brother, my mama said. Um, <laughs> so can't forget him. Um, so, if you would, please turn to Genesis chapter 22. Um, and while you're turning there, um, if I was going to title this message, it would be a test, uh, pass or fail. You know, are we going to pass a test or are we going to fail? Um, so keep your place there. Um, and I want to share with you a story. Um, on September 13th at 5.15 a.m., I woke up with a terrible pain in my back. I thought somebody had stabbed me in my sleep. And I did not know what was going on, so I called my boss. I said, hey, I'm hurting and someone needs to come help me because I can't, I can't move. Um, you know, I have played sports a lot, and so I didn't think it was a pull back. But he came over, gave me, gave me a heating pad. That didn't work. I think it made it worse. And I called my mom, and I said, hey, I'm hurting. What do I need to do? She said, go to the hospital. Well, I've never been to the hospital, except when I was born. So I didn't want to go to the hospital. So my boss, his name was Joel. He took me, drove me to the hospital. I walk into the hospital about like this. Walking around, I said, I need some help. So I get to the counter. She's asking me all these questions. And I'm hurting. I'm like, just do something to me. right? Like, I need some help. Um, And she keeps asking me questions. What's your date of birth? I I don't know. I am in pain. Um, So they take me back. And as soon as I walk through the door, she said, what's wrong? I said, my left side hurts. you got a kidney stone. I said, wow, WebMD, she's on the spot right there. I was kind of excited that she knew what was going on already. So I laid in the bed, and they took care of me. Well, it took probably about 10 days for that to happen. So no more sweet tea for me at all. Um, and if you know that, that I love sweet tea, I drink it a lot, so pretty terrible situation. But for 10 days, I was in the bed, I slept for like 18 hours every day, I was on pain medicine. And what I want you to see out of that story is, the first five minutes that I woke up with that pain, I asked God to take the pain away. Because I knew he could, if that was what he wanted to do. So my question is, do we have faith when those times come, even though my kidney stone wasn't a test from God, just a medical issue that I had. 
But immediately I cried out to God, and only in those situations I find myself wanting to call out to God in need, not when things are going well. So normally we call out to God when there's a problem. Um, But I want us to see, I want you to ask yourself the question, is your faith strong enough to give up the most important thing in your life? That's the question I want you to be thinking about today. Is your faith strong enough to give up the most important thing in your life? That That may be a job. That may be a child. That may be a family member. That may be something you like doing. I don't know. Whatever the most important thing to you is, would you give that up for God? Would you give that to God? Um... Again, most of the time we only have faith, we only ask in times of trouble. But are we, are we ready when the test comes? First um, Corinthians says, be watchful, be on guard, stand firm in the faith. So that doesn't mean that we're out living life normally without thinking regularly, watchfully, standing firm on our faith. Last time I got to speak to you guys was um, in July, and we talked about a saving faith is a faith that works. And so today we're going to walk through a story of Abraham and Isaac, and I want you to see the work or the faith that Abraham had was a saving faith because he he was tested and it worked. Um, So God calls us to stand firm in our faith Um, And let me just tell you, this narrative of Abraham and Isaac isn't going to make much sense to you at all if you don't know Jesus Christ. Abraham is tested by God, and you will not understand why. You will not understand how. You won't understand why Abraham responds the way he does unless you know the love and mercy and grace of Jesus. So, listen and we'll t- I want you to see that, that God loves each of us. And we'll talk about it, that at the end of the sermon and what he did for us. So Genesis chapter t- 22. And if you'll stand for the reading of God's word. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him. And his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. And Abraham took the, the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took his hand, the fire and the knife, so they were both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am. My son, he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. 
When they came to the place for which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For I now know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn the decrees of the Lord, because you have done this and I have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring of the stars and heavens as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in the offspring shall all the nations of the earth or of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose, and they went to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to speak your word. I pray that your word is spoken. I pray that, um, that we see a faith that is tested, and ultimately Abraham passes the test. I pray that we would have that faith. I pray that if we don't, that, that we will see Jesus today, that we will see Jesus Christ crucified in him only. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So pretty bizarre. This passage is unlike any passage up to this point in Genesis. Um, so just to explain what's going on, God creates the whole world. Um, he makes man in his own image, um, tells them some things, and man disobeys. That's called the fall. Um, after man disobeys, God comes down and sacrifices an animal because their sin, of what their sin had done, their disobedience to God, there had to be an atonement made. And so after that, Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden. Um, they have children, they multiply them, we get to Noah. Noah is the only man, the Bible says, that, uh, that God sees fit to save his family. Um, so God sends a flood um, to purify the world. Well, after a few chapters later, we see that this man named Abram, God calls to move to a new land. Um, and Abraham didn't know who God was. God chose Abraham specifically and told him to go. So he said, I'm going. Um, so I can imagine this conversation with his wife, Sarah. Hey, Sarah, we're going we're gonna to move to somewhere where I don't know. Okay, where? I really don't know. And I could just imagine she's saying, nope, we're not going through his faith, took his wife and moved to a new land. During this process, God promises Abraham that he would make him into a great nation. Well, how can that be? They're old and they still haven't had a child yet. 
So God promises Abraham that he would make him into a great nation. But Abraham doesn't know how. Well, eventually Abraham is done waiting and takes the takes it into his own hands and has a son called Ishmael. Um, this is an outside of his of his marriage, and so God tells Abraham to send Ishmael away. That's where the story comes up. After these things, is speaking of what happened immediately before this chapter. Ishmael has been sent away. Um, he doesn't have that son anymore, but he has Isaac. Um, and although Abraham had sent, uh, sent Ishmael away, now God has called him to give Isaac up. So is Abraham not going to have any sons? Is Abraham... What is going to happen? Abraham knows that God has promised that he would make him into a great nation. Um, and I want you to see this. It says God tested Abraham. Very different from tempting Abraham. Um, James chapter 1 verse 13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So I really want you to see that the test that God is testing Abraham with is not sinful. God is testing Abraham to see what kind of faith he has. God is testing Abraham to see, will he choose me or will he choose his son? Um, I also want you to take note um, that people have their own desires and are tempted by their own flesh. We see that in James chapter 1. Okay, so God is not tempting Abraham. He is testing Abraham. Two different things. Um, And a test from God only comes to the people who have true faith, authentic faith in him. So what does that look like? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Faith is a conviction in your heart. You're convinced of something. Um, I've I've shared this example with you before. I may believe something about anything. I might believe that Carolina is the best basketball team in the world, but if someone holds a gun to my head, am I going to say that they're the best team? No. Of course not. I want to live. But if someone holds a gun to my head and says, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'm going to say, yeah. Because I'm convinced of who he is. Two different things. My faith brings out a conviction in my heart that it displays out in works. Um, so Abraham has been asked by God to give up his son. And I want you to see how the writer of Genesis, what he says. He says, your son, your only son, the one you love. God understands the weight of what he's asking Abraham to do. I want you to also know that God would never ask Abraham to do something that he wouldn't ultimately do himself. Remember that. Um, Isaac is Abraham's true son from God. He is the one that was promised to him. And Isaac is the fulfillment of God's promise. 
And he is the future of Abraham's line. Um, so what must Abraham be thinking? Um, I can remember growing up, uh, my dad coming home from work, um, getting to hang out with him, play basketball or whatever we may do. And um, I don't have a son, but I can only imagine what my dad would feel like if God asked him to give me up. I want you to feel the weight of what's going on. This isn't just some, I want you to give up your job. I, don't, I want you to move. He's already asked him to move to a land that he doesn't know. And this is a stronger test than before. Um, so Abraham says, here, here I am. God tells him what to do. And then I want you to look. Um, Abraham responds. Okay, Abraham responds in a certain way. But before we get there, I want, you, I want to make sure. I want you to know that God tests those who have faith in him. Okay, if you're taking notes, that's the first point. I think I said that without saying that's the point. But only God will test those who have faith in him. Real, authentic faith. Okay, so Abraham must have pretty close faith to God if he's going to ask him to do this. If he's going to ask him to give up his son. Um, So I want you to see that this isn't the only time that God allows a testing in someone's life in scripture. We can see Job, although God didn't physically or spiritually test him himself, he let Satan test Job. Why? God wanted to show Satan that Job had faith. We do know that, that Job would ask some questions to God in the, during the story, and then Job would ultimately ask some hard questions. But his faith may have wavered, but it was strong enough to rely on God. And then ultimately, God gives him back everything that he had lost from Satan. Um, even though Satan is the one who tests Job, God doesn't tempt Job. He wants Job to be seen. Um, the second point that I want you to see in, in Genesis chapter 22 is the man of God responds in faith. Abraham responds. And I want you to see this. This is what he says. Here am I. He responds immediately. Um, and then after God has asked him to sacrifice Isaac... He responds instantly. He gets up early in the morning. He gets a head start to do what is required of him. Now let me tell you, Abraham had a relationship with God. God had spoke to Abraham. This isn't a blind, dumb faith. This isn't jumping off a bridge hoping that there's water below you. Abraham had known God. He had spoke with God. He had made a covenant with God. So he knew the person who was asking the test. He knew who he was doing this for. He knew God. Um, So Abraham saddles up his donkey. He asks two guys to go with him. And he takes his son. And he takes the wood. And he travels. Um, to this land that God's going to tell him which mountain to go up. 
And you can imagine, this probably was a really somber, quiet moment in Abraham's life. He knows that God has asked him to give up his son. Isaac doesn't know yet what's going to happen. Neither did the two men. This is a 50-mile journey. They walked. It took them three days. 50 miles. And they probably didn't say a word. Not many, at least. Um, So Abraham travels with his son to Mount Moriah. Um, And it says, On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. So they're almost there. The men and and Isaac, his son, are there. And he says in verse 5, I want you to pay specific attention to this verse. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over here, over there, and worship and come to you again. So he tells his servants to stay. He says, Hold up, we're going to go and we're going to go worship. But what does he say to them? He says, And we will return to you. So does Abraham know something I don't know? God's asked him clearly to sacrifice his son, but Abraham told his servants that he would come back with his son. I don't know what Abraham was thinking, but he at least knew this, that God had promised him to make him into a great nation, and he knew that Isaac was that future. He knew that Isaac was the instrument in which he would bless him. But he also knew that God wanted him to sacrifice Isaac. Through conceptual mental capacities, he couldn't reconcile the fact that God had promised him to make him into a great nation. And he'd also ask him to sacrifice Isaac. But he had faith. His faith is seen in verse 5. This verse is very, very important to this chapter. Because in it we see that Abraham has true faith. That even if he does kill his son, God is able to raise him from the dead. Um, Hebrews eleven seventeen and through nineteen says, "By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in was in the act of offering up his son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead." Which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So, we have the author of Hebrews helping us out here, helping us understand what Abraham meant when he said he will return with the boy. That he, even if he did kill his son, he knew that there was a promise that God had made. He knew that there was a promise that he would keep. So, Abraham trusted God. Abraham had faith that his son would be spared somehow. Somehow he would be spared. Um, Abraham understands that God knows the situation. Abraham knows that God understands what he's asking him to do. Um, He also knows that God will provide. I want you to see... um, a few verses down, um, when Isaac asked, where's the offering at? And Abraham said, God will provide a sacrifice. Although we don't know if he literally means that 
Isaac will be the sacrifice or that somehow another sacrifice will be made. Either way, he knows that God will provide a sacrifice. He has faith that God will. We can see um, a lot of examples of faith, men that have faith in the Bible. Um, You can think about Noah. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'd build a boat that is as big as a football field and there's been no rain ever. But, but Noah does. Noah builds an ark, and people, I'm sure, made fun of him and told him he was crazy, but Noah had faith in God. Um, we can see David, when he fights Goliath, that he has faith that his God is the provider, and is, he wasn't going to take what Goliath was saying about his God. David knew that his God would provide a way out. He would provide a victory for him. Um, think about Peter as he is on the boat and he sees Jesus out in the water and Jesus and he starts to get out and he walks towards Jesus on the water. Ultimately, those guys still sinned. Those guys still failed, but their faith was tested. Their faith was tested. Um, Abraham's faith is being tested at this moment. Um, as we're working down through here, so the first point is that God will test those who have faith in him. Second point is the man of God will respond in faith. That is Abraham. Thirdly, the man of God responds in sacrifice. Um, Abraham and Isaac get to the mountain. They're walking up and he places the wood on Isaac. And they walk up together. He builds an altar. That must have taken some time. I mean, he didn't just throw something together. I'm sure he grabbed rocks and stones and whatever else there may be and then built an altar so that he could sacrifice his son. Uh, I, I wonder what Isaac was thinking. Um, we do know that Isaac probably wasn't too young. He probably was a teenager, um, at least 12 years old, um, from what the Hebrew word is normally used for. Um, so Isaac is aware at this point what's going on. Isaac knows that he's the sacrifice. And although the, the, the text doesn't say, but you can imagine what he's feeling at this moment. I'm sure he, is, he has been told that he is the promise of God, that God has provided for his family, that his father has told him, you are the promise, you are the, you are the fulfillment of what God had told us, what happened. And Isaac's probably thinking, what in the world's going on? He's probably scared. Um, and this... So I want you to see that this isn't an instant build the altar, now I'm about, to, I'm about to sacrifice my son. It took time to build, took time to place Isaac on the altar. It had to be big enough to hold him. He was, it, you know, I don't know how big he was, but I'm sure he wasn't small. So the, the altar had to be big enough. And then he binds his son on the altar. This takes a lot of time. They're, they're probably not talking a whole lot. And Isaac's thinking to himself. Abraham's thinking to himself. Well, 
we get to the climax of the story, and you're while we're reading, if you've never heard this story, you're thinking, is Abraham going to do it? And Abraham takes the knife and is ready to, to sacrifice his son. But why? Why is he about to do this? Why would you sacrifice the most important thing to you in the world? Not just only because he's his son, but because Abraham knows that there's going to be a through Isaac, he's going to become a great nation. There's so many generations come after him because he had faith. The hardest thing he would ever do was hold that knife to his son. The hardest thing he would ever do is build the altar. And God saw that. So as he's about to, about to stab his son he's, and, and sacrifice him, an angel of the Lord calls out to Abraham. So Abraham, whoa, Abraham, stop. And he says, now that I have seen your faith, now that I see that you won't withhold your son from me. And, the, and, and again, he says, the one that you love. So the people in this story understand that Isaac is beloved, that Isaac is the one thing that Abraham holds dearest. Um, but the angel of the Lord stops him. So here, I want, you, I want you to take note of this. Through the story, God has been called what? He's been, he's been referred to as God. Um, but we see that there are different names for God in Scripture and the angel of the Lord. Um, so God is referred here differently than what he's been referred to. Um, he hasn't revered, uh, revered uh, sorry, he hasn't told them what his name truly is. They just know him as God. They know him as the creator of the universe. They don't know his real name yet. But here in this story, the angel of the Lord explains. Um, so there's a personal aspect of what's going on. God is, is in very personal terms with Abraham. God is right there in this situation. God knows what's going on. God knew how much it took to sacrifice Isaac. But the angel says, stop. I mean, how relieved would you be if, the, like, if an angel came down and told you to stop sacrificing your son? I mean, my goodness, what a relief Abraham must have had. But what? He still knew that there had to be a sacrifice made. He still knew that there must be a sacrifice. Um, and as he's, I'm sure he's crying, he's probably praising the Lord at this moment, and he looks up and there's a ram stuck in the bushes. And Abraham, had what he had predicted that God would provide, he does. God places an animal on the mountain, um, that which Abraham was about to sacrifice his son. So I want you to see that God is sovereign in everything that takes place on this planet and in this universe. God had asked, someone, had asked Abraham to do something for him, to sacrifice his son, but God knew ultimately what Abraham would do, and he provided a sacrifice for him. In our sacrifices, God provides a sacrifice. 
He has provided a sacrifice, and that is Jesus. Um, So that's the next point. The Lord God will provide a sacrifice for himself. Um, Abraham's faith is seen. We see that it's seen by both his son, God, and the angel of the Lord. And they understand that now that Abraham will not hold anything away from God. Um, They says that he fears God. I'm in verse 12. We see that you fear God. And what that means is that he understands that he is the sovereign creator of the whole universe. That God himself is not only a friend that he's the most powerful being in the universe that he is the one who gave life he is the one by which the world is sustained um, you, he trusts God and he trusts him implicitly and obeyed him without question it takes faith and it also takes a, a knowledge of who you're trusting you, you can't just, as some of us have heard that people maybe open up their Bibles and boom, there's a passage of Scripture and it just speaks to them. And that's happened. But how do you know who's speaking to you if you don't know who God is? How do you know who's speaking to you in that moment? I would want to make sure if, if somebody asked me to sacrifice my son that it was God. Abraham knew who God was. He feared him. He had seen him work. Let's think, he had seen him destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He had seen the power of God. He had seen the promises of God. But here he sees the grace and mercy of God to not have to sacrifice his son. Um, God provides the sacrifice of the ram. Um, And I want you to know that this isn't the only time that God provides a sacrifice. Ultimately, God loved the whole world so much that he sent his own son. And Jesus Christ is that sacrifice. God will provide for himself a sacrifice. Um, As we get to the end of the narrative, we see that, um, that once again... Abraham's, um, that God's promise to Abraham is reconfirmed. Um, He tells him that I will make you a great nation. Your offspring will be as great as the stars of heaven um, and as the sand on the seashore. So we see that previously um, in Genesis, and now God reaffirms because he has seen his faith. Um, God keeps his promises and reassures Abraham that Isaac is the future, and that the nations of the earth will be blessed. Um, in verse 18 it says, And in um, your offspring shall the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Somehow the whole world is going to be blessed because of Abraham. Um, so I want to explain that God chooses a people called the Israelites, called the Jews, um, and he picked Abraham, and he's the father of all those people. Um, and unless 
You are a Jew. Most of us in this room are Gentiles. And so we are outside of that covenant. We don't know the promises of God. We don't know Abraham as our father. Physically. But God is very specific in what he says. He says that the nations will be blessed. And I want you to understand that plan throughout the since the beginning of time was since Adam and, Eve, Adam and Eve sinned that God was going to choose a people he was going to love that people he was going to be merciful and gracious to that people he was going to teach them he was going to show them who he was so that one day he could bless them every person on the earth and what does that mean Ultimately, through this people, through Abraham and through Isaac, God sends his son. God sends Jesus to a young lady in Bethlehem. To a world that didn't want him. To his own people who didn't want him. God protected the line of Abraham because God protected the line that Jesus would come through. God promises in Genesis chapter 3 that there will be a seed of the woman that will crush the head of Satan. And through scripture we can trace who that is. The seed eventually is Jesus Christ. We see that in the past. We see that through scripture that God provided and protected the people that he had promised because he told them there would be a Messiah. But see, they didn't understand that what, what ultimately that would mean. They didn't understand that Jesus is for everyone. We see in the New Testament um, that the Jews are very, very pointed inward. They don't, they don't want God to be shared with, with other people. They don't understand that God is providing a sacrifice for the whole world. Um, the parallels in the story um, are, are, you see Jesus throughout the whole narrative. I mean, um, Abraham is a father who has been asked to give up his son. We see that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Like I said before, God would never ask Abraham to do something that he's not ready to do himself. God was ultimately ready at that moment to give his son. And he did. God gave his son. And we see that it took three days to get to the mountain. I mean, you can, you can look at Jesus was, only, was in the grave for three days. Um, they went to a mountain. Jesus was crucified on the mountain, on a hill. Um, ultimately, God sends the Savior of the universe to be a human and fully God to sacrifice his life for us. People who don't deserve it. People who don't want him. He was sent for those Jews who didn't want him, who wanted the self-righteousness that they had and the, the leadership that they had over the Jews. 
They didn't want Jesus. This world doesn't want Jesus, but God loved it so much that he sent him. Um, Christ ultimately submits faithfully to God. We see that Christ is a, is a better Moses, that Christ is a better David, that Christ is a better Isaac, because his sacrifice is, is enough for the whole world. And what do I mean by that? I don't mean that since Jesus died that the whole world is saved now. That's not what I mean. I mean that because of Jesus' sacrifice and his death, people can know who God is. But they have to respond in faith. Um, God does the unthinkable, asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. But God also does the unthinkable and gives his own son up. Um, through Abraham, God will bless the nations of the earth. What does that mean? That God sent his son as a sacrifice. And let me explain too that would have died and never rose again, then we're here for no reason. What does it mean? When Jesus rose from the dead, it means that he is God. Jesus proved to the people who didn't believe. He proved that he's not just a man, that he's the son of God. He is God. And because of his sacrifice, he was able to atone for our sins. He was able to wash us from our sins. Ultimately, through this story, I want you to see that Abraham and God are very similar in what they've done. Abraham is not God by, by no stretch of the imagination, but he responds the way that God does. Do we respond the way that God would? Unselfishly, God gives up his son. Unselfishly, Jesus gives up his own life. Do we respond that way in times of a test? Do we respond that way when things seem like they're, they're, they're going out of control? Whether you've, maybe you've lost that loved one. Maybe you've lost that job. The question is, is it worth it? Is it worth it to be a servant of Jesus? Because if it's not, why are we here? If it's not what you're about, if you're not about the things of God, then why are you here? Why am I here? I want you to understand that God has given everything, gave it all, so that you could be saved, so that you could know the love, mercy, grace, and kindness of God. That even though we don't make that sacrifice, God does. Even though that we don't, God is ready and able and willing to give that sacrifice. God wants everyone to hear the gospel. And ultimately, every nation will hear. Every nation will hear the gospel. 
every nation will hear that Jesus came and lived a life and died and, and ultimately rose again for them. Um, we see that Abraham, through a test, is asked to do something really tough. He's asked to do something unthinkable. But he responds the right way. He responds in faith. His faith isn't one that says, oh, I believe in you, God, but then shies away from the test. His faith works. James 2 um, actually talks about Abraham's faith, that it was a working faith, that it isn't a faith that is worthless. We see that Isaac is the son of a man who has faith. We see that Isaac um, ultimately is the one that God will bless the nations through, and God kept his promise. Um, in verse 19, it says, So Abraham returned to, to his young men, the servants that he had, and, and they arose, and they went together to Beersheba. Um, and that's where they lived. So the story ends, the narrative ends, but Abraham and Isaac both know what just happened. Isaac understands that God has provided a sacrifice. Abraham understands that God's love and mercy has kept his son from, from death. Abraham's faith was strong enough to test. It was strong enough. Is our faith that strong? Um, if you don't know who Jesus is, I want you to know that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah who was promised in this passage. I mean, I never thought of it this way, that that in this passage we see the promise of God that the nations of the earth will be blessed. That ultimately we can know Jesus because of what Abraham has done. That God tested Abraham, he passed the test, and now God can give Jesus to us. Um, the gospel is something that can be offensive. But are you going to respond in faith? Are you going to respond the way that Abraham did? Um, do you know the grace and mercy of Jesus? Have you placed your faith in him? Or maybe you're the person today that has placed your faith in Jesus, but there's still something that you're holding on to, still something that you don't want to give up. I know that's me sometimes. Ultimately, Jesus is my Savior, but there's things in my life that I want to hold on to. May we be, the, be a people who doesn't hold on to those things. May we be the kind of people that, that responds in faith, that responds in a way that is pleasing to God. The challenge is, do you have faith in God? And if you do, are you willing to give up the most important thing in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you um, 
for your son. We thank you for Abraham and Isaac that we can see the story of Scripture, that we can see the working out of your plan. Ultimately, you were never caught off guard. You were never surprised at anything. Your plan was to to bring Jesus to us so that we may live. God, I pray that we don't live a life that is contrary to the gospel. I pray that we live a life that is ultimately in faith, that is in a, a response to you. God, I thank you for these people. I pray that that your word strengthens them. I pray that you show them your grace that you have shown me. I pray that through Jesus they can know you, that they can love you. Um, And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Will you stand, please?